Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. We're excited to carry on and talk a little bit more about, um, last week we talked a bit more about who we are, this week we're going to talk a bit more about where we're going. So um, strap in your seatbelts and uh, off we go. Yesterday we had healing on the streets and we had a, prayed for a wonderful woman, Rachel Stark and I here, uh, we prayed for a wonderful woman. She had prayed, it's a Saturday morning, she had prayed in the morning uh, just all the stuff that are going on. She had a car accident on Friday. She damaged her left-hand side. Uh, she had a whole bunch of funerals that happened, and she was just crying out to God in the morning, God, rescue me, save me. Would you meet me? And then she came into Balaam, into the high street, and uh, yours truly went up to her and, I, and just <laughs> said, I just feel like God wants to meet you and let you know that everything's going to be okay. And she just began crying. And uh, as she sat on her seat, uh, Rachel prayed for her and uh, just she found freedom in her arm. Just her arm was, was free. And, and, and the God that she was praying to in the morning to come rescue her met her. And as I prayed for her, I, I prayed Isaiah 61 over her and where it says that um, uh, instead of the sh- her spirit of despair, that she will have a garment of praise instead of her despair. Uh, and so she just was moved by, by God. And I was just thinking, as we read Isaiah 61 again, I want us, as we read it, there might be verses that pull out. There might be statements in there. There might be words that you want to grasp for you, just as the lady yesterday grasped this word that instead of her shame, she will, uh, she will uh, receive a garment of praise. So why don't we stand across our sights and here, and uh, we're going to read again Isaiah 61. And let's try not read it as a kind of verbatim, As you read it, I I believe the Spirit of God is going to attach your words with what's going on in your life as well. So, after three, let's read Isaiah 61. One, two, three. (laughs) The Spirit of the the Sovereign Lord. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness prisoners to claim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true. And it was given to you and I in love. Amen. Do take your seats. And so this is who we are. And this is where we're going. And our vision is one of transformation. Our purpose as a church is that God is in the transformation business. And we get to join in. 
And we, we just long to see lives changed and transformed by the living God. We long for that. And we believe that he longs for that even more than we do. He's always at work. And we just get to go along for the ride. We just get to join in. We were chatting to some people after last week's service, and they were just remarking about how us talking about the difficulties of our marriage just gave them, to be, to, gave them permission to be honest with where they're at. And we, Steve and I, we're definitely leaders that walk with a limp. And we've just had a huge... Uh, we've always had a high value for authenticity as a church. And I, Isaiah 61 is full of authenticity. It's full of it. It doesn't cover up brokenness and darkness, but it names it so that the Lord can shine his light into the darkness, his light into different areas, bring his healing, his hope, his restoration. There's, um, there's a New Testament theologian called uh, Dr. Scott McKnight, and he's an academic, but he also very much loves the local church. And he has a brilliant quote where he says, people change when they're on a quest or when they're in a crisis. It's such a great quote, isn't it? People change when they're on a quest or when they're in a crisis. And for us here at V61, we believe that we exist to help two kinds of people. Those on a spiritual quest those are, and those who are in a crisis. And if you're, if you're not on a quest, if you're not spiritually hungry, we probably can't do that much for you. I don't think we've ever been a church that just wants to shuffle the decks and attract Christians um, that are just looking to fill the pews. People who are just going through the motions. We want people to join us on mission. And we want people that are hungry and passionate for more of God. And I think what we're saying is we don't know how to help disciple people who aren't hungry or who aren't desperate. And so that's where we want to start today. And I just want to ask you across the sites, like, what are you on a quest for? What are you hungry for? Where, where are you hungry to see more of God in your life? Or are you in a crisis? And crises are tricky, aren't they? Because there's some crises that just get us down to the heart of our faith. And we, we know that our feet are on the rock and we're right on our foundation. And then there's, let's be honest, there are some crises where we literally feel like we've been pushed off a cliff and we're free falling. And those second crises, it's harder to grow in faith when you don't feel that security. And so I want to be very aware that there's may, there may, may be some of you that literally feel like you're carrying more than you can bear. You, you know, you may have things going on in your life right now where you can just about get up in the morning and do the best you can and get in, call into bed at night. And that's all you've got. And I think that counts. But I want, we, we just want you to know that God is close to the brokenhearted and God is kind. But as a general rule, what would it look like if we brought our hunger our quest to God, and we brought our crises to God. I'm always fascinated by the fact that Jesus let the rich young ruler walk away. He wasn't spiritually hungry enough. He wasn't at the end of his rope. He hadn't, he hadn't come to that, that end point. And as a church, we're inviting the hungry and the brokenhearted and the people that are at the end of their rope, because that's where God can step in and meet you. That's where God can bring his transformation. People change when they're on a quest or when they're in a crisis. I'd love to um, tell you some of Danielle's story here that captures some of this. Danielle's part of our um, Balaam site and she's written some of her story for us to share. 
She says, I arrived at V61 at rock bottom, completely broken, and the person who'd recommended I come asked, what have you got to lose? The answer was nothing. I grew up a Christian by default, but having never encountered God for myself, I slowly became a staunch atheist. Fast forward 15 years, my life had unraveled into a seesaw of crippling depression and anxiety, and everywhere I turned, my life was governed by fear. In my brokenness and desperation, the world no longer made sense. Starting my journey at V61 was incredibly painful, and letting in the Holy Spirit felt difficult because of the vulnerability. But God surrounded me with the most wonderful and loving family I could have ever imagined to help me. Even though I didn't see how I'd make it through, how I'd ever look back and say I'm now a different person, I had hope. That was a new thing, hope. I was able to learn a lot and soaked up the various courses and sock them twice. And it has had a profound effect. I truly have emerged a different person. And I can say with full confidence that would not have happened without this family and this church, which was my hospital while I needed it to be and is now so much more. What did I have to lose? As it turns out, a lot. Fear, uncertainty, hopelessness, anger, anxiety, and the list goes on. Isn't that just amazing? Isn't that amazing? Like in, in the middle of her brokenness, what does she have to lose? Actually, she had a lot to lose. It was all the fear, all the anxiety, all the depression. And in return, what does she get? She got the power and the love of Jesus. Beauty from ashes. Freedom, transformation. As she looked to God in the middle of that crisis. And we want to create a community where you get to thrive where you get to meet God in the middle of your quest or crisis. Steve. And so uh, we're on a quest. We're on a quest to fulfill what God has called us to. And so this is who we are. Now this is where we're going. And uh, this ties into our vision. And uh, we have a vision of this church. We're a people carrying the mandate of Isaiah 61, where the Spirit of God is upon us to bring transformation. And we want to see multiple thriving sites of worship, uh, formation, and mission at their core. This is where we're going. So uh, what we wanted to do over the next few minutes is just share these three areas of worship, mission, and formation. So let's start with worship, shall we? Let's start with worship. Ultimately, uh, ultimately, we want Jesus to be here. There's absolutely no point of us meeting together if our God's not here. Uh, we long for him to be welcome, desperate for him to be, be here, for his manifest presence in, our, in all our gatherings, in our, in our small groups, our prayer meetings, at our baptisms. Uh, we long for his presence on a Tuesday at Toddler Group, on a Monday at The Hub, whenever and wherever we meet together as a family, uh, we want him here. And so to tell us more, we've, uh, we've asked SP, uh, our worship pastor, to talk, about, uh, to talk about worship. SP and Addison have been part of our community for seven years. We love them. Um, we love their little baby Ruby as she goes about her life. And, uh, and just all... All that they bring to us personally as a little family. So let's just give them both a round of applause. 
Thanks, everyone. Uh, hello, I'm SP. Uh, hello to those at Westside and, and Battersea um, and those new with us all, all across our sites. A special hello. Um, anyone listen to Have Your Way yet? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Any of you planning to listen to it? Yeah. Uh, any of you not know what I'm talking about? Um, this is a special weekend for us as a worship community. Um, we recorded and just released our first worship track on Spotify and Apple Music, um, all the platforms actually. Um, it's called Have Your Way. Um, we would love for you to have a listen. A ton of you guys uh, were in the making of this and um, it's just a really special moment to celebrate. Um, we have three more songs coming your way in the next two months, so um, keep your eyes and ears peeled. Um, creativity is so important to us because it can be such a deep expression of worship. Uh, we dedicate time, space, and resources to it. Tabitha at Battersea um, runs an incredible group called Sacred Space where creatives come together to work on their craft. Um, and all are welcome to that. Over the summer, we had a, a little group uh, for songwriting and some incredible songs are brewing, some new ones. Can't wait uh, to introduce them to, to all of you. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm here to, to tell y'all a little more about vision and heart for worship. Worship is essential to the Christian life. Um, it is not just one of our top three priorities. It actually fuels our other two priorities of formation and mission. Uh, it doesn't drive these priorities. Effort needs to go into them, um, but it does fuel them. And if you really think about it, formation and mission are really just other forms of worship in themselves. God has spoken to us as a leadership that we are a church uh, to be a people of his presence and an army of worshipers. We are to be a people of his presence. Uh, my hope is uh, for this year that we would come to deeper understanding of the Lord and how our word, song, and lives are worship unto him. A special psalm for us over the, um, uh, the, this past year is Psalm 27. It says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Uh, some of you will have experienced the manifest presence of God um, in the past. His presence has marked my, my life in a profound way. Um, it is this sweet goodness that just envelops you. And if you've never experienced his presence, it's the best, most natural place you can be. And he wants that relationship and connection with you. Um, but even as I describe it, it's not this sort of amorphous blob that we hope to conjure up with a secret cord. Um, it is his, it's him. It's him being near. It's his nearness. And our bodies just react to his glory and his goodness. And can I urge us, as we step into more maturity as worshipers, to hold that simplicity, that we are to worship the one. We are to worship him. Not the idea of him. Not the byproducts. 
not the feelings. We're to worship and minister to him first. And uh, may we seek him in our gatherings at every site here and on, and on Sundays um, every week. May we press in deeper in worship in our life groups. And uh, may we learn to dwell with the Lord intimately on our own. We're to be an army of worshipers. Now, our uh, spiritual warfare is not something to bring up with uh, three minutes left in my allotted time. Uh, but I will say this. Um, worship is a powerful way to release the kingdom of God, both inside and outside of the church, especially sung worship. We have this opportunity to break off yokes of depression and oppression and to send people out with songs of praise. Isaiah 61 says, Bestow on them a crown of beauty for ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. We want to build up people, places, and cultures of pure and passionate worship. We're made for worship. Worship is our, our destiny. Worship is the destiny of heaven and earth. There's not an eternal sermon. There's not an eternal altar call. There's not an eternal time of notices. Thank God. <laughs> the book of Revelation speaks of an eternal song. It speaks of an eternal worship. And that eternity is not just the future. We're able to step into that eternity now. Um, I have the privilege of going across uh, the, all the sites um, and worshiping with all of you. Um, and there's something stirring in our church, guys. Um, earlier this year, a few people got prophetic words about wells, like water wells. Um, and I hadn't heard the extent of the prophetic words at the time. Um, but uh, I was leading worship in January at Westside um, and uh, with Harriet there. And I, I got this visual picture of a deep, dried-up well. And alongside that picture, I had another picture of a group of people who showed up faithfully to worship. But when it came time, they opened up their mouths, and there wasn't a song to come, to come out of their mouths. From those two pictures, I believe the Lord was telling us a current, real, a current reality of the majority of individuals um, in the church and that he wanted to break up dried up well floors and for a new song to spring up from deep within us. Some of this is where the heart and vision for the EP um, was formed uh, for our song as a community, a collective community to be released and to help others do the same. Um, and at, at David's tent this, this year, uh, about three weeks ago, I saw pictures of each site at V61, and the floors were starting to break, break open. Um, the red carpet there at, at Westside, the, the wooden floor, floors here and at Battersea, and, um, and water started to spew and gush out of the floor. And I believe he was, uh, the Lord was taking me back to, um, to this picture um, where he wants to do something in us individually and he wants to do it in us as a church. 
And V61, I believe it is starting to happen. Two weeks ago at Battersea, um, Jack was preaching, and um, after, after the preach, the, the presence of God was so tangibly with us, and there was such a sense of expectancy for the Lord to move. Um, and, and, and I'll end with this. I, he wants to pour out his spirit on his church, on his worshipers. And can I tell you, the past experiences, the intimate times, the intimate times with God all came from him doing what he wanted to do and our openness and expectancy for him to do it. However, not setting expectation on him to do it a certain way. May we actively wait on the Lord and give him space to do what he wants to do. I'm excited for this next season. Um, May we be a people of his presence. May we be an army of worshipers. And may our worship have an openness to what he wants to do. And let us have a boldness uh, and a faith uh, to follow him in it. Biv, thanks. Thanks, SD. So good. Thank you so much, SP. Just feel, feel the presence of God. I don't know about you, but just I feel the sense of expectancy and the, the sense that God is wanting to do that. There's that picture of God breaking up the grounds at each of the site. And just, just invite you to pray into that in your own time and just see what God is saying. The second part of our vision is, is around formation. And again, one of our primary calls as a church is to make disciples and to become those oaks of righteousness Uh, for the display of his splendor that Isaiah 61 is calling us to be. And we we just do this in a whole heap of ways. We do this through our preaching on a Sunday, some of the training that we offer, some of the courses, but of course our own individual disciplines and practices as well. But one of the key ways we're formed into the way of Jesus is through our relationship with others. Iron sharpens iron. And the Bible is full of prophecies that predict the future. And before we started this church, someone had a a prophecy for us. And they said they had a picture of children's pegs. You know the coat pegs? You know the ones you get in a nursery school where they have the, the, the kids' names like laminated on them? And this prophecy said that it was like, I knew you were coming. There's a place for you to hang your coat up here. It's always been here. He's ordained individuals who are going to come home and see that there's a peg that's always been there for them. And before we had a a venue for our Balaam site, we met with a vicar here at the URC to to talk about potentially using the chapel for for the job club that we were about to start. And she showed us round, and she um, walked us round to the hall that we're, we're now in in Balaam. And along the corridor, there was these row of pegs with laminated kids' names above them. And it was such a, such a confirmation that God had um, ordained this as a, as a venue for us. But as well as that, we've just always had in mind that there's always room for one more. There's always another seat at the table with your name on it. Maybe that peg has your name on it. And so we just invite you to get involved, jump back into community, and let's, let's do this together. We, we long to see a move of God that kind of forms us as a community, that forges those deep relationships, we, that, we, that we would be a place where we have really healthy relationships and connection with one another. 
And we're, we're just formed as we learn together, as we pray together, as we do life together. And so if you, if you do consider yourself part of the V61 family or you'd like to be, just can I really encourage you to jump into a life group? And so, yeah, we've, we're launching our new, new life groups in 10 days' time. And you, you're never... I, I, I just don't think Christianity is a solo sport. It's just not something that we get to do on our own. We want to do life with one another and be formed into the image of Jesus with each other. And so if you're, if you're looking for a place to make new friends or new communities, um, have the occasional party, then please do sign up. They're all live now across the sites. And so please do, do sign up. We, just, we really want to be a place where people feel welcomed and part of the family quickly so that there's no lonely people in London. That's one of our um, just aims as a church. Uh, we have a vision. We have a vision. We want to see multiple thriving sites where worship, formation, and mission at their core. And so we've, we've heard brilliantly from SP about worship and, and formations. Get yourself in a group. We're never meant to do life on our own. We're meant to do life with Jesus with other people. So get yourself, get yourself into a group. I want to just uh, land with uh, mission. And last week we, we talked about these two hands of this church, uh, these hallmarks, if you like, of this church. We, we want to be able to be the hands of Jesus to a hurting world. And so our compassion, we want to stretch ourselves and be a compassionate church. God has brought you here to help us to be a compassionate church in our community. The other side is we also invite the miraculous power of God to suddenly transform lives. And we've seen that time and time again. There's two hands of this church. If I had three hands, it would be a lot more useful. Compassion through generosity and being supernatural and normal. Being supernaturally normal. This is who we are. This is the church that who we are. Providing people with practical, emotional, and financial support at that crisis point of needs. But also the suddenly of God. To bring hope to the hopeless. To bring freedom for the captives. Broken hearted. To see people healed and transformed. And I believe normal Christianity is this. Everyone deserves the opportunity to be trained and equipped to live the supernatural life. Maybe God's brought you here to help us with compassion, or maybe God's brought you here to be trained up for normal Christianity. We're called to do the stuff that Jesus did, and this is the church where supernatural kingdom ministry is normal. It's normal. And so for Viv, from first day, from our first day of the church, we've just been simply inviting people Come and join us. Join us on mission. Come and join us. We, love, we actually love Christians. We do love Christians. But if, if you are a Christian, you've joined us here or here. I was going to do both. <laughs> or both. I remember uh, time uh, in Norfolk, the wind blew so strong that uh, the next morning, the other campers' tents, the awnings, the deck chairs were, were flown, strewn all over the campsite. And the night before, we had to make sure that the stakes went deep into the ground. So when the, we knew that the wind was coming, and, but we, we, we bashed our stakes in. We got extra stakes to, 
to, to, to secure our awnings and our tents and things like that. Uh, our tent was secure and our awning was secure because we bashed the, take, the, the stakes in so deep. Uh, to drive a stake in the ground is this Native American term. Where they, when they were under attack, attack and it looked like they were going to be defeated, they would drive a stake in the ground and then tie the legs to people, legs in it, so that, so that they would have to stay there and defend that piece of land until death. That's this term, driving the stake in the ground, tie your legs to that stake and defend that land, defend that ground. And we need to take our stand in this city. And we need to take our stand in what we believe, no matter what it looks like, no matter how we feel, no matter what people say, just no matter what, we need to drive a stake in the ground regarding God's word, God's in prayer, in worship, and in formation and mission for this city. Let's drive a stake in the ground. We're not, support, we're not supposed to let the devil have, his, have to win. We're not supposed to just sit back and be passive and let the devil have his way in our lives. No, we're to occupy until Jesus returns to this city. We need to drive the stake in the ground concerning what God's word says about us. And it's not a time to quit church. It's not a time to quit family. It's time for God's people to take a stand. It's not Kesara. And I break that over us. It's not, yeah, things will happen. It's not Kesara. As well as driving the stake in the ground, we're also called to keep taking ground, keep serving. Keep advancing. This city belongs to the Lord. And so that's who we are, and this is where we're going. We're called to not just occupy the land. We're called to advance his kingdom. We had a voice note just this week from someone saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's time to pray. It's time. It's time to call upon the God of the harvest to see this vision through. And she was saying, I'm standing with you. My heart is full of burdens to see the vision of V61 through. We need to call out to God. We need to intercede. We need to intercede to the God of harvest to send the workers to fulfill uh, the work. You see, this has always been the case where the workers are few, but the fields are ripe. I I just want to say, it feels... Sometimes I haven't pressed in enough. Sometimes I just forget to pray. I forget to contend. I can can forget to occupy and to advance. Uh, But I never stop praying for for workers. That's the one thing that I'm passionate about. I'm praying for, for workers. And for you intercessors, you prophetic intercessors who email me, uh, we had someone this morning, they almost said, I've got a message about the number eight. I almost, uh, you've been, the church has been going eight years and they, had a, they might have a prophetic word about the number eight. Keep sending us, keep sending us encouragement. Keep sending us what's God saying to you, uh, prophetic intercessors. It's time not just to get on our faces and ask God to bring the harvesters, it's, it's time to step up and, and come join us. Uh, yesterday, 
uh, at the end of Hots, we just heal on streets. We just tell stories about what God has done that in that two hours. And we just told stories and stories. It's beautiful. This one lady, she she had received prayer, and I saw her after her prayer time, and she was stomping her foot. She was just stomping her foot, and she was waiting at the Pelican Crossing, and she was just stomping her foot, going, "It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt." And uh, before she came, she sat down, and as soon as she sat down, she said to me, she felt as though like this freedom went through her legs and through her feet and all of a sudden her feet got healed and she was praising God. And so we told stories like that. At the end of it, we were praying and uh, the Spirit of God just came upon me and I just began crying and I I remembered uh, times where 28 years ago, God brought me here to, to Balham and to London. And uh, the last 28 years, I've just been praying across the high streets and just and yesterday at Hots, as we were praying, I was God was reminded me of the prayers that have been prayed over this dry land, and uh, just there's a moment of releasing that's going to be happening. And I just began crying under the presence of God, and I was I was wiping my my eyes. I was looking for a tissue, just wiping my eyes, and uh, and those guys started praying for me, and I just began crying more, and just. Jesus, I thank you that you're, you're bringing the harvest in. It's really true what the scriptures say. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. We need to pray. And I was crying, I was crying, and I was, where's my tissue? And I came out because I was a little bit embarrassed. And uh, I said, I really need a tissue. And Yune was there saying, I've got some. Uh, but you, Steve, have told us to let men cry. <laughs> when men cry in prayer ministry, you've to- she said that you told us, Steve, just let them cry. So, okay. <laughs> Give me the tissue. So she gave. She ended up giving me the giving me the tissue. But it's time. It's time. I've run out of time. Uh, <laughs> We're feeling, in terms of mission, a whole generation of young people. God is stirring us to reach a generation that are far from God and reach young people who are part of our community. To see, see what God's doing with Gen Z at the moment, specifically this generation that's emerging, they're looking, this Gen Z, they're looking for a cause to get be part of. They're looking for a cause. They're looking for something to be part of. We want to see how their journey and God's journey can be grafted together. Their journey, their hope. I want to have a purpose. I want to, be, I want to join in in a, in a cause. Let's graft them in to, to the Lord's cause. And there are Gen Z millennials in this room as well. And let me just say, you're a beacon. You're a beacon. You're a light for this generation. There's more to say about this. I also want to talk to men as well. But the aeroplane is coming to crash land. Um, today's, today's not the day to talk to men. But your time's coming. Look at me, guys. Your time's coming, fellas. See, the women get it. 
men, we need to get it. Let me, let me land before I crash. I tell you what, let's just pray. Can we just pray? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.